Welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. I am so happy you're here. If you want to create a beautiful home that isn't cookie cutter or a trendy copy of someone else's, you're in the right place. And if you don't want to hurt your wallet or the planet to get one of those dream homes. And you can get started with my brand new quiz called Fix My Room. It's actually more of an assessment tool, but the word quiz, I think, sounds better because it's it's really easy to do. Just answer 20 multiple choice questions and you'll be pinpointing why your room isn't working, why it feels off, and why maybe your previous efforts haven't really panned out. Or maybe you're fairly happy with your room, but you want to make sure that your design choices are going in the right direction. Visit our website at slowstylehome.com and click on the quiz button right at the top. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later in the show. Now, let's dig into this week's episode. Hi, we're Karen June and Zandra of Little Yellow Couch, your hosts for the Style Matters podcast. If you're obsessed with decor and fashion, you're going to love this series of interviews about the importance of style. We believe that taking the time to really think about and cultivate a personal style is a meaningful and essential element of happiness, and that is what this podcast is all about. We're talking today with Maddie Flanagan, proprietress of the beloved blog and shop Madeline, where she offers, among other things, her signature course on bra making. And we're talking about beautiful feminine lingerie, where every small detail is taken into account. Maddie is also a professional photographer for hire and sells her own prints on Etsy. Because of her discerning eye for design, her website makes you feel like you've stepped into the boudoir of a stylish, sexy woman. And judging by the photos of her workshops, you will have an exquisite, fully pampered experience along with learning new skills if you are lucky enough to live near Philadelphia where they are offered. Well, first of all, that's a pretty grand introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Well, we mean every word of it. Thank you. Um, So to tell you a little bit more about myself, um, I don't come from an artsy background. I was very much a scientific kid. Um, I was, I loved organic chemistry. I loved calculus. Um, I loved the sciences. But when my mom died of breast cancer about six months after I discovered her sewing machine, and I I am embarrassed to admit that I actually didn't know what it was at first. Um, (laughs) I had never seen a sewing machine, never touched a sewing machine, didn't know how to sew a button. Um, So I was always into fashion, um, and there was a local tailor at the end of my street, and she was kind of like a crazy lady. She rode her bike (laughs) to work, and she had her dog in the back, and she used to rant and rave these crazy stories and be like, listen, lady, I just want my pants hemmed. Don't want to listen how you went to Monaco and how, you know, you met this countess and you worked for Valentino because I really don't believe it. Um, so I took my mom's sewing machine. It was, it was one of those 1980s all metal machines. It was heavy. Um, and I went to her shop and I said, I, I want to learn how to use this. I want to learn how to hem my pants. And to kind of give you a snapshot of where I was in my life, I was 18, um, a freshman in college. 
almost during my Christmas or holiday break, um, I had like eight weeks off. It was an insane amount. And um, I'm kind of borderline ADHD, so I always have to be doing something. So I was yeah. like, oh, my God, what am I going to do without school? So I thought I would just find how to sew to, sew my, to hem my pants. So um, what what started off as one lesson turned actually into like a two to three year um, apprenticeship um, with her. And, you know, it was an amazing experience. Um, I didn't realize it until just recently um, she passed away. And um, I learned that I never, I always doubted her stories. Um, She said she had (laughs) children. She said she worked for Valentino. She said she worked for this person, Adrian in Hollywood. And I was like, yeah, right, lady. Um, (laughs) But it turned out that it was all true. Um, At her her funeral, um, the people who meant most to her and who were close to her kind of confirmed that it was all true and that, in her later years, this was her life being a sewer or a seamstress. Um, and it's kind of like that movie Big Fish where the the son um, always doubts his father. And then at his funeral, all, you know, the people come out um, and kind of confirm yeah. stories. Uh, what serendipity that you met her at that time in your life and everything? Uh, yeah, I feel like life brings you people just as you need them. And when my mom died, I lost a maternal figure. Um, she kind of came into my life and for three years she became my maternal figure. Mm -hmm. Um, and even when I, I eventually moved to Philadelphia for um, a job opportunity, we still kept in touch. Um, so, um, yeah, so I worked at her shop for three years and then, um, I was a a journalism major at the University of Miami, and I once I kind of decided that fashion was what I wanted to do, I I transferred to Savannah College of Art and Design, and I studied there for a year on fashion design, and I kind of did it backwards, so when I went there, I knew a lot about fashion. I could basically sew anything, Um, so that gave me a great foundation of the arts as far as, like, primary colors, tertiary colors how to draw fashion illustration all that other stuff that goes into fashion design um and then the recession kind of hit and it I, it wasn't um I couldn't go there anymore so luckily I got a full scholarship to Johnson and Wales and I went there for a year and then um as part in order to graduate you have to um complete an externship um so um I kind of just on a whim, just decided to go for Urban Outfitters. Um, I was like, I'm just going to try for Urban Outfitters. Didn't expect to get it. Uh, one thing led to an X, and I ended up being an intern um, in their production technical design department. So what that does in a snapshot or in a nutshell, um, basically we're the middlemen between the designers and the manufacturers. So everything related to um, a garment in stores minus the design came to us or fell on us. So we did wash care, label placement patterns, fitting, live models. So all that kind of like behind the scenes stuff that goes on, um, I handled, which gave me a great foundation as far as like patterns and industry experience. Right. And um, I got an opportunity, but along ever since I really started at Mishka's, I always had a blog, my blog. Um, 
And so I had an opportunity to switch departments from technical design more to like social media marketing. Um, so I still work for them. Um, but it is in a different department. And um, I don't regret the change. I feel like now um, I have more energy to focus on design. As before, I was so engulfed in it all day long that when I came home, I did not want to deal with it. So um, really, it's a perfect, I feel extremely lucky to be able to go to work and do something that I love. um, And that also complements my side hobby. And so I come home and I, and then I sell and do all that other stuff. So that's kind of like my experience in a nutshell, a long nutshell. It sounds like, it sounds like a, an amazing mix of talents and interests and skill sets. And it just sounds very, like a very rich life. It is. I, 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 yeah, I feel very lucky. I kind of, you know, pinch myself every day and say, how did I get so lucky? But I really think it is my mom and Mishka looking over me and kind of like pointing me in the right direction. So that's beautiful. Oh, thank you so much, Maddie. Xandra and I are always drawn to the details in life, whether it's a unique detail on a garment or an object displayed in a unique way in one of our homes. I have even been drawn to a garment just because of a beautiful lining or detailed tag that can't even be seen while being worn. It's like wearing a little secret that just makes you smile. We are drawn to the fact that you are passionate about creating beautiful bras that aren't necessarily a visible part of one's personal style. We are interested in finding out in this context, why does style matter to you? Um, I think, so I think that style is a reflection of how you feel on yourself. Um, I know that I'm when I'm kind of feeling like down and in the dumps and kind of like in a blue state, like my style definitely suffers. And but on the opposite end, I also think that it uplifts you. So it's I think that is a very important um, element of 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 just of yourself. Um, I think that having a good sense of style or trying to achieve a good sense of style like helps you out in many ways um, as far as like your well-being. Uh, I feel that if you look good, whether it's garments, for me, it's lingerie. I feel like I'm a very particular person. My handwriting is very small. I do things like very detailed. So that detail kind of um, that attention to de- the lingerie's attention to detail kind of like taps into my personality. Um, mm-hmm. so, and again, if I have a beautiful bra on undergarments, um, I, I feel so much better about myself. So I think that's important, um, element of style. Absolutely. That- Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. And the, the, the undergarment is so, is just so great. I mean, so many of us women, um, we either wear gorgeous lingerie for someone else, or we decide not to wear anything nice because either we want to be comfortable or because we're just not worth, you know, we're not worth it if we're only wearing it for ourselves. And you just, when you look at your work and your site and your classes, you get the sense that this, these garments are really for the woman who's wearing them even more than for a partner that might see them later. It feels like it's this very special thing you're doing for yourself. Is that, was that your intention? Yeah, my intention, well, I think my focus first is um, small-chested women. I've helped larger-chested women before, but my focus is definitely smaller-chested women because 
I'm very petite. I'm very small framed. And so to find things that are um, comfortable, that fit, and that are stylish, um, you know, to be honest with you, if I went shopping and ready to wear, I would probably have to go in like the junior section not because of like the cup sizes but just like my circumference is so small yeah. um and that's not a 27 year old I really don't want to be in the like crazy <laughs> best it, you know section um so yeah. and kitty bra. <laughs> yeah that's not my and you know if I actually want a boyfriend or a husband I don't think I should wear a hello kitty bra um, <laughs> so um and also I, I want to make every day special and and you know when I'm creating it I'm definitely creating it for myself I'm not creating it to impress anybody although um it's a little bit uh you know I know that other people will see it as far as like my blog um and via Instagram so that is there that added pressure that those people (laughs) will see it um but I want to the everyday bra and I'm really inspired by what negative underwear does and also Fortnite lingerie and Dear Kate's as far as like simple, clean lines, nothing frilly, but also very beautiful. Um, and like in my own bra making, I'm trying to um, edit it down to what is the most beautiful things um, and make less frilly. Because honestly, we don't we don't wear frilly every day. Um, so I'm trying to make the everyday very beautiful, but not frilly. Um Classic, clean lines, beautiful fabric, great shapes, um, also unique shapes as far as, like, I've been experimenting with halter bras. Uh, So, yeah. Well, I think that's so great because I do feel like when you walk into a lingerie store or the section in a department store, you've either got sort of the va-va-voom, over-the-top lace um, you know, something that looks like you'd only wear on a very, very special evening, or you've got really unattractive, ugly bras that are purely utilitarian. And it, it just sounds so nice to have something that is uh, neither of those things. Totally. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Something that's every day, um, but still special, kind of like a teacher bra that you love. And I don't think any woman has that. Right, right. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too. You have a free pattern on your website right now, and um, you had some pictures of some uh, bras that other women had made from your pattern, and it was neat to see sort of the variation on what people came up with based on their style. So I think that's a a kind of exciting aspect. Yeah, the purpose of that um, that pattern was Mallory Lane. Um, it's a very simple, but I kind of just wanted to test because a lot of people express interest in my bras. Like, would you provide patterns? Would you make bras? And I'm just like, I, you know, if I'm going to spend the time, I don't mind it, but I definitely want there to be like an audience, a return on investment, I would say. Like, if I'm going to put in all this time, I, you know, I want people to make it. Um, so that was just kind of like a test to see like if people would, respond to it. And they definitely did. Um, people email me every single day saying that, um, they use it. It's again, it's very simple. I left out a lot of things that, you know, if I were to do it right or, you know, real, um, really release a pattern, quote unquote, um, I would add a lot more to it. Um, but I think that it is one step, um, in, in where I'm going as far as providing bras and patterns for um, my designs. Yeah, yeah. 
And you do teach people how to make their own patterns too, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. So one girl, she actually, she wanted to come to one of my workshops, um, but she couldn't as far as school and different things like that. So we basically did um, a bra making session via Skype. So um, I definitely teach uh, one-offs. Um, and, you know, I understand that people can't fly to Philadelphia and people have schedules. And this, so I try to accommodate all of them because, like, my point is that um, I want you to learn. And also I'm very uh, um, flexible on pricing. So if somebody says, you know, I really can't afford this, I'm like, well, what can you afford? I'll take that because my it is all about the money, but I would rather somebody learn than not learn because of the money. So right. um, that's, that's very generous. Yeah. And I try to work with them and just, you know, my bigger goal is that you learn um, what you want to learn. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's very empowering to be given skills. So yeah, it's, that's great. Yeah. Just to pass it on feels good. For that second question, we are asking about the times when you decided to try something after letting go of any preconceived rules, norms, or standards. A DIY you tried, or a whole different way of using a room, or a new way of wearing something. Whatever experience you've had where you felt the freedom and excitement of trying something after realizing, hey, why not? Um, I think that um, this relates to something a little bit different, but it touches on. So I interviewed somebody um, about two years ago and she is now a local art gallery owner but at the time she was um, a technical designer um, in my department and um, she had worked for a corset maker um, and she said and I asked her you know who was your mentor what did they teach you and she said you know my mentor was the person who who taught me how to make corsets and she taught me all the rules so that I could break them. So ah. um, <laughs> instead of the why not moment, um, I think that um, a lot of my moments that are that, that they aren't why nots, but it's sort of like breaking the rules. So right. I have this foundation that I've learned in bra making as far as like I took Beverly Johnson's classes. I read her books. I read you know, all that. And now my why not moments are, how can I break those rules to make something that's my own? Um, yes. If that makes sense. And yes, that's have, very similar. And you don't have like rules aren't set in stone. So they might work for somebody, but they don't might not work for you. And that's kind of like the stage that I'm at right now, as far as like, well, Beverly Johnson says that this is going to work for this. And it's like, well, you know what? I'm not Beverly Johnson. I'm not trying to make her broad. Trying to do uh -huh. my own my own thing, so I'm gonna have to break her rule, and that's kind of like my why not moment. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's free. It's very freeing, and then you can progress and move forward and create something new. And it's also freeing that like you don't have to be. Um, you, I, you, I feel like you. I feel like I'm in prison if I have all these self imposed rules on me. Uh, so kind of just to open your eyes and say the world isn't full of rules. Um, you know, most of them are self-imposed, of course there are government rules, but I'm saying like when it comes right. to totally, <laughs> We're not um, talking laws. Most of them are self-imposed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing we try a lot to do, um, on our blog is to talk about 
uh, being creative and allowing yourself to envision something that a lot of people say things to themselves like, oh, I'm not creative or I can't, I wouldn't be able to put that together, that vignette or that um, table or, you know, whatever. And, um, and so in trying to help people be creative, sometimes they get a little nervous about things like, well, you have to break the rules because they're afraid they don't even know the rules in the first place. Um, But it sounds like when you have done what you've done, which is really immerse yourself in something, you, you, you've learned the foundation so that you can then break the rules. Is that, is that about right? Um, yeah. And also, you know, a lot of my creativity and kind of uh, the way I go about things is that Mishka always told me, you know, use your common sense. Like I would ask, a, I would ask a question and she'd be like, use a comment, use your common sense. I'm like, well, this person says to do this. And she's like, use your common sense. Does that make sense? And I said like, no, she goes, then don't do it. You know, so a lot of like the creativity comes from just doing what you think is right. You know? Yeah. Um, and when I, I really love, um, Dorothy Draper, um, her work as far as she was mm-hmm. a interior decorator from like the 1950s, she did like the yep. green Bar resort in Virginia. Um, and that she was never trained. Um, she kind of was like this she, she figure and her motto was, if it looks right, then it is right. And that's kind of the common sense. Like, you know, there are no rules. Um, just kind of like what you believe in, do what you're, you follow, do what you, not do what you follow, but just, um, you know, follow your passion, what you think is right. Absolutely. Oh, so thank you so much, Maddie. We really appreciate the time that you spent talking to us. Um, and you can find Maddie on her blog at madeline.com and on Etsy at mmadeline. Thank you so much for listening to the Style Matters podcast brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. Are you ready to stop waiting for your dream house to materialize and start loving the home you've got? Visit us at littleyellowcouch.com. To check out our free video series on our three principles of design, click on the videos tab. See you next time on our little yellow couch. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.